0: Hey, everybody. Oh, come on, man. I know you're tired. I was up before all of you. How are we doing? You're doing okay? Okay, good. I know Brian says we're not a dancing church, but I just want to say I got moves like Jagger. And don't don't make me bring them out because it'll be awesome. I love it. Let's pray jesus thank you for thanks for where you have us thanks that we're dependent on you i'm just blown away that millions of dollars come through this place and to get deployed to the world Uh, and god we want really we could we'd stop the offering put the plate down and hop in it because that's our desire to be an offering to give you our lives and to have you use our one and only life to bring you glory to matter for eternity to influence peoples forever I can't believe we get to do that through you. Wow, who's worthy of such a task? So we commit this time to you. Thanks for your word. Thanks for this amazing book, for all the books that make up the Bible. Guide us, please. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Right on. So it struck me this week that the Apostle Paul is an amazing, amazing artist. Uh, he doesn't paint on a canvas with brush. He's painting on papyrus with a quill. And we have the book of Galatians and all the rest of the books he's authored. As an artist, he gives us word pictures. And I thought about it this week. Uh, If he was an artist, what kind of artist would he be? Uh, Would he be Michelangelo? Uh, Would he be some other type of artist? I, I think I have an answer. I think he'd be Picasso. If you know Picasso, you know he painted stunning sometimes quite shocking, provocative pictures. They weren't necessarily realistic, but they were vivid, and they stick. Now, Paul's word pictures are anything but mundane. Some of them are actually quite wild. He creates pictures for our minds that we will never forget, so that as followers of Christ, we'll grasp spiritual truth that we can always remember. I'm going to say that again. Paul paints pictures for our minds that we'll never forget so we can grasp spiritual truth that we'll always remember. Paul's concern in mind, frankly, is that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Saturday, you're still living in what took place as we gathered as a church. Let me give you some of the pictures. I just put three of them in here. They're all over Galatians. They're all over Ephesians. They're all over Philippians. He's an amazing, amazing artist. Here's the first. Just a few Picasso Paul portraits. Here's the first. Uh, Galatians 2.9. By the way, you have your Bibles open still? Yeah, good. Galatians 2. You got your phones open? No one's on Snapchat, right? You're on U version, Okay you version are we all there i want everyone to grab your bible okay good um james cephas and john now look at this here's the picture those esteemed as pillars i'm just like wow i picture the parthenon and those pillars holding up the building but paul's talking about the church and there's talking heads on the parthenon speaking to us james cephas and john it's like some disneyland ride Okay, it doesn't grab you like it grabs me. Okay, let's keep going. I'm going to keep going here. Galatians 2.20, look at this. Paul's here's another picture. I have been crucified with Christ. What? Yeah. Picture the cross. Picture Paul being nailed to Jesus, being nailed to the cross. It's not just Jesus on the cross. Paul says, I'm up there crucified too. Picture that. Christ didn't die. I died with him up there. You shouldn't forget that. Picasso-like, isn't it? Okay, you're pushing me, so we'll keep going. Here's another one, Galatians 4:19, My dear children, for whom I am again, here it comes, this is Paul again, like he's done this before. What have you done before, Paul? In the pains of childbirth. Wow. What? Yeah. It's like I'm giving birth to a baby and I'm screaming out for you. That's nuts. That's Picasso. That's Paul. Now, I thought that was the wildest Picasso like image until I came across another one in our text today. It's stunning, it's memorable. It's a crucial image because it answers so many questions that we get as pastors all the time. We get these questions all the time. Questions like this. This picture will answer these questions. Why isn't Christianity working for me? Where's the life change? I dealt with this last week. I came to Christ on the promise my life would change. My life isn't changing. What's wrong? Here's one. What's happened to my joy Where is it? That's actually the question Paul's answering with this image. Look down in Galatians chapter 4. I'll put a a literal translation up here, verse 15. that's, That's the question. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit? That's what Paul's answering in the book of Galatians. Now, Paul could use words to answer that, and we'd lose the meaning. I'll give you the words, okay? You see how this grabs you. Where is your joy? Where is your life change? Why isn't Christianity working for most of you? Well, Paul would say to the Galatians, you started with new life in Christ. Christ brought you otherworldly joy. But then you squelched your joy and freedom through the rules of religion. People came after the gospel and said, do this, do this, do this, and you lost your joy. It just doesn't have the zip that a picture, a Picasso-like picture has. A stunning, did I mention it's memorable, image that Paul's going to paint, answering the specific question. And I want to show it to you. But first got to give you some context, because a verse out of context can be very dangerous, okay? Uh, So Paul uh, does this, okay? Look at chapter 4, verse 7. Brian touched on this so well last week. Look at this in building the context for this image. He says this, you're no longer a slave but you're God's child. And since you're his child, God made you an heir. Paul's putting two types of relationships here. You you were a slave, you were under a hard taskmaster or as Brian brought out last week, a guardian uh, you're under that, or you can become a child of God and live in the freedom of sonship and daughtership. Now look at verse 31. Are your Bibles open? You got them there? Okay, no Snapchat, no tweeting. You there? Okay, uh, chapter 4, verse 31. Look, look what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we're bookending, this is context, we're not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. There it is again. Slavery, freedom, bondage, Freedom, being ruled, being in a great family. This whole book, this whole passage is about freedom, living like sons and daughters, not like slaves to the law. So the question is that Paul's answering with this image is how do we experience life in Christ as sons and daughters of God? Now this is where the stunning, memorable image comes in. It's truly remarkable in a Picasso type of way. But to get there, we need to read up into that image. So uh, Brian had us read it, but now we're going to walk slowly a little bit. Chapter 4, verse 8. Are, are, are your Bibles open? Are you there? Chapter 4? Just making sure. Chapter 4, Galatians. Are we all there? Are we all there? There's Pew Bibles, 1170. You can grab one. Okay. Okay. Formerly, when you did not know God, here comes that word again, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Remember, he's not talking about the big bad world and, and sin does make you a slave. He's talking to Christians for whom Christ wasn't enough. And these people came and said, you need Jesus plus religion. Jesus plus do this. Jesus plus, do this. Jesus plus, do this. That's your salvation, not Jesus enough. And Paul's saying, man, you're counting on the plus to be your God, not the Jesus part to be your God. You're trusting in your dues, not in what Jesus did for you. But now that you know God, or rather, and this is that line, thank you, Brian, for pointing this out, are known by God, how is it you're turning back to those weak? That means it lacks power. And miserable, that means it's worthless. That's the literal meaning of that. Worthless. Uh, think this, eight-track tapes. Imagine getting that for Christmas. Worthless. What is worthless? Don't miss this, okay? He's talking to Christians who gather in the church like you and I, who depend on religion and rules to be accepted by God. Paul says, you know what that is? Worthless. It's weak, it's miserable. Why are you turning back to those forces? Jesus freed you from that. In Christ, he was enough. You did sing, you did shout, you did dance at one point. But then the religious people came in and said, you can't dance in church. Stop shouting. Do this instead. Paul says, that's worthless. Why are you doing that? Do you wish to be enslaved all over again? Guardian, slave, sonship, daughtership. Um, we learned this vividly with my daughter, Bella. She, when she was 14, we sent her to Kentucky to visit her sister, who was, uh, at, you know, goes to school in Kentucky. We didn't drive with her or fly with her. We sent her under the guardianship of a Delta Airlines employee. Uh, and her trip with the guardianship was nice, but a little bit cold. And on her, trip, on her trip back, she had a layover and then uh, came back to San Francisco. Her guardian was really cold to her, almost rude. And so Bella was on the plane, and when the plane landed to SFO, Bella's like, I'm done with the guardian stuff. Ann was outside waiting for her, so Be- Bella just walked off the plane and then walked straight out to go into Ann's car. Now, as Ann's driving to get Bella, and as Bella's coming, she's getting calls from Delta Airlines, saying, uh, she finally picked it up and saying, I'm sorry, we've lost your daughter. We are shutting down San Francisco International Airport (laughs) as Belle's getting in the car. And Anne's like, I've got my daughter, thank you. Even a 14-year-old knows the difference between being under a guardian and being in the loving care of a parent. And Paul is saying to these people, Why would you go under a guardian? They will never love you the way Jesus loves you. Religion will never love you the way Jesus loves you. That's what he's getting at here. Uh, that, that, That image is coming. Hold on, we're getting there. You're observing, here's their religion. You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. Paul says, I fear for you. Somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me that I might become like you, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. I want to step out of the message for a minute. Uh, most commentators believe the illness. Paul had some weird, grotesque eye disease. And he was on a missionary journey, and he had to detour of the journey. I can imagine the pain of Paul going, well, God, are you kidding me? Like, I'm out to reach unreached people. I'm on this great missionary journey. Uh, The church of Antioch laid their hands on me and sent me. What is going on? So he had to go to Galatia to get his eyes fixed. Why do I say that? Look down in verse uh, 15 of chapter 4. Look what he says there. If you could, you would have given your eyes to me. Look at chapter 6. It's not in your notes, it's in those Bibles I'm asking you to have open. Chapter 6, verse 11, look what he says. See what large letters I'm using to write. Chapter 6, verse 11. Now when was the last time you were sick and you asked God, what are you doing? I've got a life to live here. This wasn't part of my plan. It's part of God's plan. 2,000 years later, I want you to know I thank God for an eye disease in the Apostle Paul because my life is changing in a fresh new study of this book. We wouldn't have the book of Galatians if that eye disease didn't come on Paul. Paul saw it as a detour in real life. Everyone, there's no detours in God's economy. Your sickness is not wasted. God is not unaware of what's going on in your body. In your mind in your health at all and god wants to use every aspect of your life to bring him glory every aspect the upside the downside okay back into the text we're getting to that image okay it's coming and even though my illness was a trial to you you did not treat me with contempt or scorn Uh, now this is something i've got to just pause because i long for this to be the moniker for everyone that calls pcc home okay this next line this isn't for the ushers only this is for all of us. This isn't just for the greeters, not for the parking lot attendants. This next line is for all of us to call PCC home. Instead, you welcome me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. That's our job description. When we gather as the church, everyone we see, we welcome them. As if it's an angel of God, as if Jesus himself were walking through the door. If Jesus came through the door and he passed by you, how would you treat Jesus? That's how we should treat each other. That's how we should treat people we don't know. We don't gather only, this is important, but not only to see people we know. We gather to minister and to create. And watch God create divine appointments. How's it going to happen, especially as we go into the city through a multi-site strategy? I'll tell you what, that's it right there. We treat people as if they're angels. It's an angel. As if they are Jesus himself, right? Okay, so let's jump down. Verse 19, let's get to the image. Let's get to the image. It's it's stunning. It's memorable. Before we do, sorry, on the bottom of page two, I summed up, everything coming up to verse 19, especially for teenagers and college students and those of us who know them, we get asked all the time, hey, my child's going to uh, uh, University of Arizona. Any good churches out there? I need a church in Phoenix. I need a church up in Seattle. Uh, I just listed from Galatians 4 marks of unhealthy churches. Stay away from these type of Christian churches. And you can see it. I'm not even going to go into it, but uh, there it is, things you want to avoid. And if a pastor Uh, If one of us can recommend for you a church in this area or anywhere, please don't hesitate to ask us. Ready for the image? Three of us are. Here we go. My dear children, for whom again I am in the pains of childbirth, here it comes, until Christ, and here it is, is formed in you. That word formed is a medical term to describe, are you ready, fetal development. It's a stunning, memorable image. Literally, until Christ, who's been implanted in you, starts to show through you. That's what he's saying. The word means to give outward expression to an inner nature. Letting what's inside you show. That's what Paul's saying. Now, generally speaking, when you see a pregnant woman, you can tell, right? Right? That wasn't a rhetorical question. You can tell, right, generally, unless you're a man. <laughs> so Ann and I got pregnant our second month of marriage. Well, Ann got pregnant our second month of marriage. And uh, I was, at that point, like after she got pregnant, all about pregnant. Everything pregnant. She started reading what to expect when you're expecting. I I just noticed pregnant women at that point. And as she grew, my excitement for pregnancy grew. So we're in the Bank of America line back when you would go to a teller. And uh, we're waiting in line. There's about 10 people in line. And there was a woman behind me. How do I say this? She's uh, rotund, okay? She's big. And I turned to her thinking, ah, I'm like, wow, you're pregnant. She wasn't pregnant. I just froze. I froze. And Anne, thank God, Anne just covers for me and says, "I'm sorry. This is our first baby. She was seven and a half months. She was, you know, she was showing. She's like, I'm so sorry. He thinks everybody's pregnant. I'm so sorry. And then, you know, <laughs> off we went. Thank you, honey." Uh, this is a true story. Like I, I only make, you know, most men do, only make that mistake once, right? So last week I was gone. I was in L.A. at this church and had a, uh, a host who got, you know, took me through all the services and different places I had to be. She was eight and a half months pregnant. I didn't say a word. <laughs> <laughs> She's walking like this. And finally, you know, we've gone to like four or five services, and, and it's the end of the day, and I'm like, gosh, you did it. And she's like, yeah, wow, and being pregnant. I'm like, oh, you're pregnant. <laughs> she's like due in two weeks. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So initially, when you get pregnant, uh, oh, and by the way, thank God for social media, because now we have stuff like this for men who aren't sure someone's pregnant. and We can just see it on their Instagram or whatever, okay? Initially, there's nothing, but over time, what do we say? She's starting to show, right? In other words, the person inside her is starting to make herself or himself known. That's the point exactly of the whole book of Galatians. That's the point exactly of Galatians 4. That's Paul's stunning, memorable image for why people lose their joy. Christ isn't showing, and they're okay with it. Paul's concerned that what's expressed on the outside is incongruent with the reality of Christ inside these believers. They had come to Christ, found new life in him. Jesus had taken up residence inside of them, but there was little of his beauty throwing, showing through the church. In this image, you've got to get it, I, I, I'm, I know, I'm driving it down, because what's coming the next four weeks, chapter 5 and 6, are some crazy commands, calling believers to a radical, ethical, imperative lifestyle. What does that mean? He's just saying, Paul's going to come out of the blocks, you should do this, you should live this way, crazy commands. And unless you push back and go, oh, what? What, really? Should I do that? I want you to think of a pregnant woman who's got her right mind. And you might think that's an oxymoron, right? Uh, But who's got her right mind. What wouldn't she do to protect the life inside her? We've had pregnancies on our staff uh, this last year. It's been beautiful to watch and to be in meetings and just glance over and see uh, a Kristen or a Helen just just touching their tummy and smiling. And I know they're giving up sleep. I know they're changing their diet. I know they're sacrificing that the bigger Christ gets, the less they get. And they're not complaining about it because it's worth it to them for the life inside them. See, you've got to get this image embedded in your mind because what's coming in the next four weeks, Galatians 5 and 6, Paul is calling us to supernatural lifestyle. Unless you push back, you're pregnant, church, with Jesus. And that's the motive of why we do or don't do this. When we forget this, like the Galatian church did, we wander into stuff that's dangerous for the life of Christ inside us. And our joy is gone. And then you meet with pastors, and it's our absolute privilege to receive you, and you ask questions like, Why am I no different than my non-Christian friends? What happened to my joy? The Christian life isn't working for me. Because you're not treating the pregnancy right. Christian living is Christ showing himself from the inside of us. Early on in a pregnancy, when we don't know if a woman's pregnant, because she says, or we say, she's not showing yet. Right? We say that. She's not showing yet. That's kind of funny. It's always been silly to me. Of course she's showing. The woman's right in front of me. What we're really saying is the baby's not showing yet, right? So I've got a pastoral question. In love, and I'm not saying this because it's not there. I'm just asking you to hold this up. Is Christ showing yet in you? Like Paul, I'm talking to followers of Christ. Christ is in you. Is he showing? Here's the pregnancy principle Paul's going to get at. Through this stunning, memorable image. You ready? The farther along you go, the more you show. There it is. The farther along you go, the more you show. That was the case in all four of our pregnancies. And was measured every time. As long as the baby was growing, everything was great. In one case, when the amniotic fluid wasn't growing, the the amniotic uh, sac wasn't growing, alarm bells went off. The baby was in danger. It wasn't growing like it should, and that's when we get ushered in to induce a uh, birth. When the baby stops growing, alarms go off. In the OBGYN's office, but for some reason, not in the church. When Christ isn't growing in us, and I'm not saying this to shame us, I'm just coming out and saying what Paul's saying. Really, there's no condemnation. You know I love you. And when, like, weekends like last weekend, I miss being with you. I just miss being with you. When the baby's not growing, something's wrong when Christ isn't growing in you. And we need his grace, and we need his mercy. come back to let the baby grow so I want to ask one more time are you showing is Christ growing in you what does that look like April 9th we have a baptism April 9th you know what a baptism is it's a pregnancy announcement That's what it is for a Christian It's when a Christian says, I'm pregnant with Jesus. He's in me. If you haven't been baptized, that's your day. Christ is in you. You go public with that. God won't love you more if you get baptized. He won't love you less if you don't. But Jesus said, get baptized. It's our pregnancy announcement. What does it look like for Christ to show in you? I have, get on track with me, my brother-in-law, Johnny. His brother-in-law, okay? Been married 30 years. Met this man, his name's Peter Rosenberger. He had a plan for his marriage for his wife, Gracie, but then she got a disease. Over the last 30 years, they've navigated 78 operations. The amputation of both her legs, treatment by more than 75 doctors in 12 hospitals. They've worked their way through seven medical insurance companies and paid out or had more than $10 million in medical bills. And his testimony is, it's my joy to be married to that woman. I'm like, wow, you're showing. In the last service, there was, in two, three marriages, in the last service, one spouse who was there, whose husband broke the marriage covenant and walked out on the spouse. And the spouse is was there, is was left to pick up the pieces, and they're doing it with courage, with the fruit of the Spirit, with the help of the church. But they're not giving up on Christ. And they have a joy and a contentment and an ache in their life that's otherworldly. And I want to go up to each one of them and go, your pregnancy looks great with Christ in you. There's a young man that's been here today who's out with his friends this weekend and at a party was uh, hit on by a woman who said, Hey, can, can we get out of here? You know what she wanted. He knew what she wanted. And he says, "No, no, 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 I can't. That's not why he went to the party." But she didn't give up. Come on, no strings attached. This is friends with benefits. No one will know. And he turned to her and he says, "I, I can't. I'm pregnant." No, that's not what he said. <laughs> but it's what he meant. I can't dishonor you, and I won't dishonor me. I'm carrying Christ, and I'm not going to bring him into that. And so he left the party. There's a freshman today who's here. She's with her friends last weekend. They had a great time in downtown San Carlos, and they wandered into a park where her friends pull out marijuana and start to smoke. And without condemnation, she remembers who she is and says, I, I have to leave. They mock her for being a goody two-shoes. She pats her stomach and says, secondhand smoke just wouldn't be good for baby Jesus. <laughs> and leaves the park. And calls her parents and says, I didn't plan on this, but this has gone south really quick. I need you to come pick me up. Now, she didn't say secondhand smoke wouldn't be good for Jesus. <laughs> but it's what she meant. I met with a couple, three weeks ago, early in the morning at Pete's in San Carlos. He was getting a bonus, a crazy bonus. And he met with me that said, I am so glad I'm getting this bonus. You know why? I'm like, no. He's like, PCC getting a bonus. He's like, God keeps giving me outrageous money. And I love being generous with it. So I'm just preparing you. More money is coming to PCC for the worldwide mission of PCC. And I wanted to get up from the chair and go, when are you going to deliver, man? You're so pregnant. (laughs) Jesus was so showing through him. So showing through him. What does it mean for Christ to show through you? Some people are saying to me, we're going to multi-site. We're going with you. We're going to leave the security of 3560 Farm Hill. We're going to go to the adventure downtown. There's a lot we don't know, but here's what we know. Jesus will be there, and they're pregnant with him. There's people who are investing in relationships with their neighbors. They invite me to parties, and they're just like, just, just be the aroma of Christ in here. It's my neighbors, some Jesus people, and let's see what God does. I'm like, ah, you're showing. There's people that are praying for cube, ma- uh, cube mates, and, and workmates, and they just care that Jesus does something in their life. They're showing, showing, showing. So I've got to close, and I've got to ask, how is Christ showing through you? Because the pregnancy principle is true physically and spiritually. If you're in Christ, the farther along you go, the more you show. show. What are we supposed to do with a message like this? I just want you to do what the Apostle Paul wants you to do. I want you to think differently. I want you to think differently. This isn't about rules. This isn't about do's and don'ts and be this and be that. This is about this. You're spiritually pregnant if you're in Christ. He's showing in you. And so here's my simple prayer for you, and then we'll get out of this message and respond. I want you to pray this not every day, multiple times through the day. Christ, show yourself in me and through me today. Christ, show yourself in me and through me today. Go on your walk at the night, walk in the dog, Christ, show yourself through me in this in this neighborhood. Go into work, Christ, show yourself through me. Christ, show who's in me show through me and then wait to see what god does amen Amen. father thank you for this time thank you so much for putting christ in us in that principle thank you for the women in here uh who modeled this in their lives lord physically god thank you even for those who uh have a tinge of pain we don't mean to cause pain but who've longed for that and don't have a pregnancy but jesus we want you to show through us it's the only way we're going to exist as a ministry We pray for that and i pray we would remember this stunning image as we jump into the next four weeks and get to some commands we pray this in christ's name and everybody said amen church podcast we're located at 3560 farm hill boulevard in redwood city california you can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com